Digital eye strain is considered a very serious health problem. Whether it's considered serious or not, it's certainly annoying if you're someone who has to deal with it. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. Today, my guest is Dora Adonopoulos. She is an optometrist from Alexandria, Virginia. She's joining me right now from Las Vegas, where you're at an electronic show. Tell me a little bit about the show, and then we'll get a little more importantly into the whole concept of digital eye strain and what it's all about. Sure. Hi. So uh, we've been attending uh, with the Vision Council here at the Computer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, and it's amazing the plethora of new devices, uh, you know, for your health and using it in your daily lives. And one of the things that we're there doing is discussing digital eye strain and the symptoms of it to make consumers more aware and things they can do to try to prevent and decrease some of those symptoms. You know, it's interesting. Some of the literature that I've seen and some that's been provided say on average, we look at our mobile devices more than 100 times a day and that there are many people who are actually have so-called digital addiction and nomophobia. That's the fear of being without your mobile device also seems to be a big issue. I mean, this is all relatively new phenomenon. It is. And, you know, 70% of adults don't even know that their devices that they're looking at are emitting high energy you know, light, the blue light that you hear about. And in a lot of the studies, as we've seen already, blue light's damaging in the fact where it uh, decreases your melatonin. You can't unwind at the end of the day. Uh, there's new emerging research showing, you know, blue light affecting patients that have macular degeneration and cataracts. Uh, the latest uh, trend now will be is what happens to those healthy individuals and how much blue light end up damaging their eyes. So what research has been done thus far? I mean, it does sound very frightening. And for all, We have, obviously, a, a physician audience, many healthcare providers listening, you know, they'd want to be obviously advising their patients about the best things. Tell me a little bit about, uh, from your perspective, what research has been done and what it's been telling us. The research, uh, first on the patients that already have macular degeneration, is that those retinal pigmented uh, epithelial cells in the back of the eye, they're already damaged by, you know, and that's why they have AMD. So blue light actually triggers those to become more pronounced and to sometimes progress the disease a little more. But what's more important is that children, you know, under the age of 18, the lens behind their eye does not filter UV and doesn't filter blue light as well. So they are very susceptible to it. In addition to the regular folks, you know, people over 18 who um, are looking at these devices all day, they're getting blurry vision, red eyes, itchy, their posture uh, is affected. So it's this whole ergonomics, um, you know, how their eyes feel and the they end up feeling that they have symptoms of headaches or strain when really it's from digital use all day. And obviously, as an optometrist, you're, you're wired into this. You, you see people and you worry about their vision and what's going on. I mean, it seems like um, there are certainly things we could cut back on. Uh, many people are obsessed with their mobile phones. They look at them all the time. And, but also, a lot of people need to use them. They're addicted for a reason. Um, they're consistently getting messages. Their children text so that's the way they're communicating sure. with each other. What can we do? Do you try to reverse the trend? Are there ways to protect you, devices you could put on your mobile phone that help? What, what, what is there out there? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to stop using a device, as we all know, and you're right about that. So some simple things we can do is just, you know, holding things further out. I know with a mobile device in your arms, you tend to bring it really close. So you want a good arm's length from the screen. You want to adjust your um, devices um, so the contrast is reduced a little bit. Make sure your computer monitor is at eye level and um, try, try to take a break from the computer. If you can remember 20, 20, 20, every 20 minutes, take a 20-second break by looking 20 feet away. And that causes you to blink and kind of give your eyes a, a visual break from the computer screen. 
Additionally, there's lenses that have been developed to help block out some of the blue light. So when you go in to see your regular eye care practitioner, you can have your, your patients recommend or, or mention that they're getting these symptoms from digital eye strain, and there's solutions um, for lenses for prescription and without so that blue light can be blocked out. So there are steps you can take. I mean, it, it does seem, I'm amazed, I was actually talking with a, with a couple people of my age group, not my kids' age group, and when you really think about it, the concept that people would prefer to be typing messages to each other than just talking seems right. very bizarre when you really think about how difficult it is to type those quick messages. Sure, sure. And that's why it's important for parents to become educated, but as well as the physicians, pediatricians, um, so we can, you know, mention this to our patients and say, you know, how often are you on a device? One out of four kids uh, is actually on a device more than three hours a day. And that's, that's gone up quite a bit from years before. Uh, what we again, what I mentioned before, we don't know the long-term effects for, for children yet. So the more we can do with the research that's out about blocking out the blue light, um, the more important that'll be for their overall health. Uh, blue light also is from just natural lighting. You know, they in the, around where, around the house, around school buildings, the LED lights, um, the compact fluorescent lamps that we have that we've upgraded to instead of the incandescent lamps. Uh, now those are actually more blue light emitters. So we have to also be careful of that. So are we hurting ourselves uh, making the progressive steps we are, things we think are positive? Are we actually leading to more problems? Well, you know, this is not a disease and it's not permanent, but it's causing enough discomfort and it affects a person's uh, productivity at work or school. So that's why by having these ergonomic, you know, solutions that we talked about or, you know, getting a computer eyewear specifically for the distance that you're working at will help relieve some of the strain and, and let you be more productive. I think many of us in practice have seen exactly what you're talking about, though, people coming in with neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain, and, and you find out where they work and the setup of where they work and how bad it is for so many hours that ergonomically it doesn't make any sense. That, that is problematic. At the show you're at, are they addressing any of these issues? Uh, you know, are you seeing more attention being paid to it? Yes, more attention to each person monitoring their own um, you know, health biometrics, but also the work setup. So a lot of standing desks. We actually saw somebody today who was on a treadmill with the desk on top. So they could actually walk while they're typing, you know, the, um, the big balls that people can sit on to relieve their back strain. So they are addressing how you sit during the day and what you can do to make yourself more mobile. And making yourself more mobile will also cause you to look away from the screen and, and give your eyes a break as well. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest today is Dr. Adora Adonopoulos. She's a medical advisor to the Vision Council. She's an optometrist from Virginia who's actually joining us from Las Vegas now at an electronic show where many of the things we're talking about are being discussed and looking at different options. And is this a health-related show or is it all sorts of uh, electronics? all sorts of electronics. They actually have divided it up into two sections. So the one that we're in primarily, lots of um, health devices from, you know, measuring your, your blood pressure, your, your BMI, um, all the way to, you know, holograms and 3D printing. And then the other section of the show is all the, the cool car things that people love to look at. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting on the health side, which I'm sure you're paying attention to, mm -hmm. even outside of the vision area, what, what are some things that you've seen that that could potentially be impacting patient care and, and having a positive effect? A lot of uh, virtual reality, meaning a way to log in and speak to doctors without having to actually visit an office. So instead of people Googling answers to, to their questions, there's different companies that provide these services or apps where people can actually reach a practitioner. 
So I think that's kind of the new thing that a lot of these um, developers are, are working on. It's funny you mention that, and this is totally unrelated, and um, people listening to the show know I, I still work in clinical care and I'm involved in my hospital. And one of the things that we were talking about today was in the town where I practice, in the city where I practice, there isn't that great access to psychiatry and dermatology. They're two of the areas where the, the offices seem to be filled. It's limited. It's hard to get yeah. appointments for our patients. And one of the things that came up just in a casual conversation was – the use of electronics to basically allow people to have a derm visit electronically right. through a camera, a psych visit, you know, you could Skype or, or use some sort of technique. I guess that's what you're getting at. Correct. And they have actually secure web conferencing, basically. So it's still HIPAA compliant. And in that way, patients feel are more apt to visit the doctor virtually versus having to sit in a waiting room, especially if it's for a psychiatric matter. So these developers felt that that was um, something that is going to work well in the future. And, of course, we're talking today about digital eye strain and issues surrounding it, and basically 61% of people admit that they experience digital eye strain at some point, and that is a condition that includes dry, irritated eyes, blurred visions, headaches, and as well as back and neck pain. What are some of the steps you can take clinically um, if those things are happening? Obviously, what you want to do is limit the exposure, as you're saying, to the irritants. But as far as patients, when you see them, what are some of the things you suggest for them once they're already in the grips of it? Is it just staying away from the offending agent or are there medications, uh, drops, things they should do? Sure. I mean, non-preservative um, or preservative-free artificial tears are helpful because those you can use a little more frequently during the day when you're on your computer, and it helps relieve some of that dryness and burning and actually causes you to stop typing and take a break and, and put the drops in. Uh, most patients, though, just don't find time during the day to do that. So we tell our patients, you know, at least try to get two drops in, one in the morning and one in the afternoon, and at least you, you get that lubrication in the eye and really recommending those eye breaks during the day. You obviously have an opportunity to deal with people and train and talk with them about vision. For young children now, and we're talking about the issues surrounding digital eye strain, if you had to give three or four tips for physicians and other healthcare providers to talk to their patients about parents with young kids, the best ways to avoid eye strain and eye problems, what would three or four of the things be that you would tell kids to do? Sure. Some of those, uh, one would be limit the usage of the device, you know, depending on the age. And that would be a parent decision as to what they feel is important. But when they're young, they need to be outside and they need to be doing other things other than being on devices. Um, the other thing is to limit the uh, exposure to these devices, you know, one to two hours before bedtime because that affects their melatonin levels. They're unable to unwind and then go to bed. So those are my top two, really, limiting the exposure in the end of the day. There's been a lot of talk. In fact, a number of different studies have come out in recent weeks, and I know uh, the Vision Council is probably on top of this as well, about using uh, the different devices, electronic devices, as opposed to the old paperback novel and the challenges there. Clearly, if somebody's reading before they go to bed and you're saying you're getting that stimulation, you're impacting melatonin, is that problematic? Yes, it is. So it, that affects adults and children equally. So honestly, at the end of the day, a good paperback book uh, is the best way to read. Um, for adults or children, you can definitely have um, non-prescription or prescription blue blocking lenses because that'll really help decrease that blue light going in. But th those good old paper books are still the best. And are there times of the day you suggest you use these things for reading or is it better just to use the paper books all the time? All the time is difficult just due to the nature of you know everyone's lifestyle. So the paper books by that nightstand at the end of the day uh, would just definitely alleviate uh, not having any blue light coming out at you, um, and it'll help you sleep better. We only have about three minutes left in the program. We've talked about a lot of things. Are there any areas that I did not touch on that you think are important for our audience? 
I think we covered on a lot of um, important you know, statistics. You know, 60% of people experiencing digital eye strain and not realizing that. You know, five or more hours a day in front of a device, that's a lot. And most of the times, up to eight and nine. Um, you know, 70% of adults don't know that electronics emit blue light. Um, that's an important statistic. And, you know, people just need to be aware of it, uh, what the symptoms are, and then go to their eye care practitioner and find out more about it. They can also visit the, the visioncouncil.org. And there's a lot of information about the report they released and also more about the symptoms and treatment plans. Have you been hearing issues with healthcare providers talking about the challenges of using now the electronic medical record? In fact, that the patient after patient, day after day, they may be typing on a computer screen, whereas at one time they were writing on a paper chart. Has that been an area of concern with healthcare providers? Sure, definitely. I hear all kinds of complaints like that. Um, you know, I, I miss the good old pa- you know, paper chart days myself. But, um, you know, and most doctors wear some sort of eyewear typically, so they can, when they go for their eye checkup, they can ask for a, a blue-blocking anti-reflective treatment on their lenses to help reduce some of that blue light. And, again, remembering to blink and, and just do the best they can to get through those charts. So if you're looking for the blue-blocking anti-reflective, does that have any negative effect as far as vision for, you know, people if they're out in the sun or they're driving their car, that sort of a thing, or is it all positive? Oh, all all positive. All those will help reduce glare, especially in the elderly, especially in patients who have cataracts. So it's, the blue blocking anti-reflective is very good with that. And it helps you have more clarity, more contrast in, in the world around you. Is that something that would be expensive for patients if you said, I, you know, I want you to do this, get... When you get your glasses, I want you to ask for blue blocking anti-reflective. Is that an expensive addition to no, glasses? That's a good question. No, I mean, the expense, it varies. And you can look at different um, optical places can have it, different eye care practitioners, their optical department can, can have it. And there's different forms of that, and different companies can provide different um, choices for the patients. But um, just like we don't have one pair of shoes for everything, uh, we can't really rely on one pair of glasses to carry us through the day. So you but want to have that option. You want to work on those things. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Dora Adonopoulos. We're talking about digital eye strain, uh, about 30 seconds, 35 seconds left in the program. Um, the one last question I wanted to ask you is I don't think a lot of kids, as you said, are going to stop texting. A lot of adults aren't going to stop texting. Mm-hmm. Hour limits that you would say on the day if you ideally could do this, or is it more, just more important to break periodically? A break periodically is more important than hour limits. Okay, so that's good as an overall. Um, Dr. Adonopoulos, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate your spending the time. I appreciate you having me on today. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any or part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Today to download the podcast and learn more on this series. Thank you so much for listening.